I'm Roy Sharples. Welcome to the Unknown Origins podcast. Why are you listening to this podcast? Are you seeking inspiration? An industry expert looking for insights or are growing your career? I created the Unknown Origins podcast to provide access to insights and content from creators worldwide with inspirational conversations and storytelling about art, architecture, design, entrepreneurship, fashion, film, music, and pop culture. From Copenhagen to being a runner in Hollywood, to a serial creative at Zupa, Kessels Kramer, Grey London, Adam and Eve DDB, Channel 4, Uncommon Creative Studio, and now the Executive Creative Director at the BBC, where he leads the creative output across all BBC campaigns and branding. Hello and welcome, Rasmus Smith Bich. So what inspired and attracted you to be a creative director in the first place? To be entirely honest, I if we rewind even further back, I don't I don't think I ever aspired to uh, even work in advertising. Uh, I think I more fell into it. I think I think back in the days I was probably around eighteen or something. I uh, came back from a I wouldn't call it a failed experience in Los Angeles trying to make it in the movie industry. It was more as a runner and so on, so it's nothing nothing major. But um, I came back and all of a sudden I needed a bit of money, so I worked in a nursery for a bit uh, where I fell asleep reading stories to the kids all the time, <laughs> so I wasn't really, I don't think I was made for that. So one of my friends actually... Um, said, why, why did you come in and work in an advertising agency um, and you can earn a bit of money and like uh, be a runner and nothing creative there at that point. It was more making coffees and whatnot. Um, and then I did that. And that was, that, I don't think I've ever thought before that point about who made the adverts. I think I probably assumed that Coca-Cola did their own adverts and whatnot. Yeah. I, I don't think I thought it was some companies and it was actually a job you could have so i think that was my first introduction to advertising uh so i worked there for a bit and after a bit i was i wanted to study again and then they suggested actually some of the my colleagues in there and the people in the creative um, department in this advertising and he said like why don't you apply for this advertising school and signed up and i got in and then three years later i found myself with an advertising degree and I was bit like, what, what have I done? What is this? Like, but anyway, I stuck with it and I found, um, I had to find my own truth or reason for doing it. And so on. I, um, and I think I found it and then I just kept going at it. And then eventually I worked for many years and used many hours, uh, thinking of, uh, all the creative work, um, pitching, writing, working at different agencies. And then eventually, I guess, when you've um, done it for enough years, uh, people trust you to um, guide the, the projects from a, from a, or guide other people to do the work. So that is, uh, that is the long version of how I ended up in the role. Throughout my career, I think I've always had a bit of a view on advertising and I've always tried not to pollute 
the world too much, <laughs> both yeah. in the literal sense of like uh, <laughs> actually what we use and whatnot, but also um, actually in terms of what we put out there in the world of, of adverts and so on. I've always aimed to make some work that actually is interesting and uh, people find uh, inspiring and useful or something like that isn't just shouting at them. So yeah. that I've been thriving, the, uh, aiming for that my, my, my whole life or whole career. Um, and then uh, along the way, I also found out that some brands you work with or on uh, – appeal more to you uh, just yes. purely from the point of view that they maybe are more interesting to the to the to the consumer so some things will be a harder sell right to convince people to to buy some kind of new version of a butter they already know is a harder sell than the new um, fifa computer game uh, so i i think along the way i have been leaning towards um, stuff that has a bit big following and uh, have lots of fans already and engagement and uh, actually companies that people people really care about and wish exists so so and bbc is one of them so that's why it was, I, there's probably not many companies I would sit in-house at, but BBC is one of them because I truly believe in their mission and I actually think it's really important that they exist for loads of different reasons. Um, but one of the most obvious ones is also um, to do with the news and uh, yeah. There's a lot of things um, we 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 all notice every day, and the small bubbles we live in, and different realities, uh, and what is fake news and real news. And I feel like they're the true, like they're one of the defenders of the democracy. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, and and spreading uh, entertainment and uh, and uh, information and. Um, teaching uh, people um, across the board in uh, different ways in a very affordable way so that's why I, yeah really I'm fully behind the mission of the BBC and really think they should exist going forward so yeah that's that's I'm trying to contribute to that being British I've never known life without the BBC and what it stands for as an institution in British cultural heritage and broadcasting even to date and bearing in mind I haven't resided in the UK for many years. No matter where I am in the world, the BBC is the single most trusted source of truth that I will always go to because I trust the information to get clarity on the news, societal issues, economics and politics. So you've joined a highly influential organisation, which must be very exciting for you. Yeah, it's super exciting. And also... Um, the the role I'm in, I, I luckily uh, get to meet lots of different departments and uh, different people within the organisation. Uh, again, it goes without saying, but it's a it's a massive company with lots of different skill sets. And but it is just fantastic to meet everyone from uh, the show writers to um, radio hosts and um, all the way to the news team and all these these people there's so many different um, yeah. aspects of the company so it is it is um it's really exciting times uh, i'm obviously new but i'm looking forward to uh, 
yeah, really like get to know the company even further and like understand what they truly are. Travel is a catalyst for inspiring innovation and creativity because you experience different cultures and diverse societies. Learning to appreciate and respect these differences in lifestyle and behaviour unites us. Travelling forces us to depart from the familiar and take on a world of new experiences, cultures, languages, architectures, foods and lifestyles, influencing our minds, bodies and souls by shaping us into better, more well-rounded people with a more integrative worldview. You've lived in Denmark, Holland and now the UK. How much of that has shaped and inspired your creative practice? I don't know how it has influenced my inspiration, but I know how, I think it's shaped how I work at least. Yeah. Or what, what, what um, the outcome. And I think I had to rely on some other skill sets that uh, I'm actually quite grateful later. As you, when, when you are, one thing was, for example, when I lived in Amsterdam, some of the stuff we were working on had to be translated so uh, sometimes you had to rely on not knowing exactly the words that would come out of it. But so I think naturally you gravitate towards an other kind of ideas that are not as uh, beautifully word crafted because you don't know what comes out in the other end. Yeah. So you kind of think about your shape of work in a different way. And the same uh, probably... Um, it's, it's the same scenario with uh, moving to London and so on. That when it's not your first language, obviously there will be someone that is a better writer and so on than you, yeah. um, and uh, crafting all the words. So you you tend to maybe find something else that makes you unique and uh, what um, another way you can stand out. So that was probably what has defined the kind of work I ended up doing. Yeah. Then for, uh, slowly, I think I've, uh, I've gained confidence in terms of like just uh, writing in a different language and actually also uh, seeing it as a, as a strength. And you start, you, I would probably, I write slightly different than someone who, who's a native, right, an English speaker. So, um, but it might also make it more interesting. And uh, luckily in advertising, we can get away with a lot of stuff and odd sentence structures and uh, choppy language and whatnot. What you end up doing, you, you don't rely on very localized observations or insights, which can sometimes be powerful and unique. But when you don't do that, you hit on more universal truths that are more human truths and they could translate from any market. So uh, I think that's probably also been one of uh, my strengths um, is that I've, I've just been trying to find um, something that anyone can relate to. doesn't matter if you were born in Amsterdam or Mexico City. Like you can still, you still understand the feeling of uh, missing out on someone's birthday, you know, like, terrible example but you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> you, you you just do you you less rely on local puns and like really yeah. smaller smaller insights and so on so um, and, and in terms of uh, inspiration i think this is like in a very broad term and it's not directly inspiration but 
I think moving countries and a lot of different jobs, and of course there's a lot of uh, uncertainty and to some extent uncomfortableness about mixing it up all the time <laughs> and moving to new cultures and different countries. And But I think to, it's it's an essential part of being a creative and liberating yourself is that thing about getting used to being uncomfortable, I think yeah. is really powerful. And uh, I use that a lot in my work as well, because when, if you're trying to cover new ground, you will at some point have to be in a territory where you don't know where you haven't been before and you don't know the answer but uh, if you can turn it around and make it that's an exciting part of the process then uh, I think you're on to a winner and that's when you can uh, truly make something unique that you haven't seen or heard before so I, I think that's one of the outcomes of it it's not directly inspiration but I think it's one of those things that it's good to 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 teach yourself or like uh, yeah get uncomfortable get comfortable with the uncomfortable um in terms of inspiration i i've heard a lot of creatives they they like going to galleries and so on but like i don't know it's never really done anything for me uh it's not very often i see an art piece or um, something in a museum i i use in my work once in a while it happens but it's not yeah. very often but i think what fuels my um, inspiration or like uh, my creativity but it's probably the news I find like the news is, is uh, as we know reality is crazier than uh, imagination yeah. quite often so I, I just love like all sorts of like odd news articles especially weird local news uh, can uh, can be extremely fascinating because it's just so odd and it can be so mundane and um weird um so <laughs> i've always like read loads of news and and all all sorts of sources beyond the bbc news um so yeah i i am um, i try and fuel my brain in that way besides that of course it's all about reading all all the books and it's great a theater play can of course uh, spark something and uh, what is your creative process in terms of how do you make the invisible visible by dreaming up new ideas, developing them into concepts, and then bringing them to actualization? It always starts with like research and looking into what is happening in the world right now. That's back to what we spoke about with the news, even yeah. seeing the context of the brand and what 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 world and what kind of like. Um, what's going on around them and what is the what is the pitfalls for it or what's the dangers of the brand and what kind of like challenges are there for for this brand or even the industry um is always good so like doing doing the research and then sometimes i just um you just get started and write all all the different uh, um different insights you can find around uh, the topic and the and the brief and then um Again, it's it's something I've always done, and uh, I always have my my phone with me, obviously, like everyone else. But I I take a lot of notes. You would you would probably hear my friends say that I'm quite. There's quite often where I stop for like two seconds and have to write something down because I'm I just try to constantly um, write down if anything sparks or. Um, 
an idea pops up. And that's usually if you've done all the research and like uh, you have it in the back of your mind. I think your brain does a lot of work for you, depending a little bit on the brief, obviously, if it's if it's a car, you you read around it and what the challenges are, what the future is and so on. And then I think slowly you um, your brain starts uh, doing a lot of work for you. So when you see stuff, you match it up against. And then, yeah, so if you have the brief in the back of your mind, um, you um, the ideas will start popping up. I have this weird thing that um, when I... Uh, I'm about to go to sleep. That's when all most of my ideas pop up. So uh, that's why I always have my phone next to my bed, obviously. And you'll see me furiously typing in the dark uh, because that's when a lot of the ideas pop up. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's yeah, it's quite it's quite odd how it works actually. And I think I think we there's your brain does a lot of unconscious thinking for you. So that's why I, I usually quite like. Even if I don't have time to work on a brief, I, I quite like being told about it and what it is because I I um, I think it, it gives you a head start and uh, it does you does you do some uh, um, unconscious thinking. So um, yeah, yeah, it's like it's quite nice. And then another thing I also do is like besides the the briefs I'm working on at the moment, I um, I've just always taking loads of notes uh, of when I just talk to my friends and we're just if we're chatting shit or whatnot like but just a lot of great things just happen in real life and most of them are just forgotten so I've always like I've, I've always liked this thing that um, Tarantino says about his movies and how he writes movies is like he says the only difference between him and his friends is that and why he's a movie maker and they're not is because he writes down what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but he says like a lot of it is just like it just comes through conversation and like stupid and silly things or, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of that as well. Loads of taking notes. And um, then you might not use it right away, but again, it's stored somewhere in your brain and on your phone. And then later it, it slots perfectly in with um, a campaign you, you might be working on. It's an interesting correlation there that you made with, with Tarantino because the, the way that he makes his, his movies, they, they could easily all be stage plays because they're so rich on the conversation, his strength and his inspiration comes through dialogue, comes through conversation. Most people who would take a conversation and put it to like a film would focus on all the obvious. It's the unobvious things that he focuses on, right? Those fine details that you think wouldn't matter, but they, they really do. And then when you put that, when you bring that to cinema, it just seems to mushroom. And that's became his signature, his trademark. What are the key skills needed to survive and thrive as a creative director. I'd say I'm fairly young in it, so I, I, I might still not have mastered what it takes to survive in, in the industry. Um, but I, I can give you uh, my guess. But it, there's this, like, this ongoing joke in the advertising industry and, and especially in the creative department is that you don't really, a bit like like heroin addicts you don't ever see like really old heroin addicts they kind of they disappear right but um, that was quite a morbid uh, comparison but uh, you don't really see any old admin either in uh, or they disappear or you don't really know where they go and there must be like 
a reason and um, it is it is of course a, a it's a little bit of a draining job because it's about staying up to date on a lot of things uh, of course there's some universal like things that will always travel through uh, time but a lot of it had to do and a lot of adaption to different uh, media and and so on and and I think it can be it can be a little bit draining staying up to date on all that so I guess one one of the like when you just literally say what it takes to survive I, I guess it is the classic one of uh, adapting and being willing to change and uh, being curious and continuous and continuing to be curious and that thing about being uh, a forever student trying to like always um, don't think you know it all and like start keep keep wanting to learn and being excited about the next new thing and so on when you start getting getting cynical and uh, about what's ahead that's probably a bad sign um so maybe that's a lesson to myself if i listen back to this uh, in a couple of years is i've started to be like sad and angry about the industry and where it's heading and so on is probably because I'm I'm slowly uh, doing the wrong thing or that's my my uh, cue to get out so um yeah that's probably be 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 David Bowie about it keep re- reinventing yourself um, and I think you'll be okay yes It's critical to maintain an insatiable curiosity and be a lifelong learner not a know-it-all but I'll learn it all. Bowie's superpower was reinvention and to see the future coming by having the uncanny ability to foresee future trends in music and fashion. And he used this knack to tilt popular culture. For example, he could see the unseen by using new internet services, and this was back in the 1990s, that seemed far-fetched for artists at that point in time. But what he predicted became the norm. Musicians now make music, perform live and engage with fans online, making it accessible, affordable and convenient to experience music from anywhere at any time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you're able to do that, I think you're onto a winner. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you can pull off his outfits, man. Oh, I know. And change your name all the time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What are your lessons learned? in terms of the pitfalls to avoid and the keys to success that you can share with existing and aspiring creative directors? I think it's good to define something or have a few, I don't know if rules are the right word, but have a few guiding stars of what you believe in, like like stand for something, like what, what, is, what is your truth? Uh, what, is, what is your guiding principles that... And, and, and it's both for yourself, but it's also so slowly that people you work with um, know where you're coming from and it's easier for them to work into you. And um, so, so yeah, I, I, does that make sense in terms makes, of like having some kind of, yeah, um, yeah kind of like a guiding star for, for the kind of work you want to make. Um, and there's many ways to articulate that, I think. And sometimes it can... Uh, yeah, it could be very different and very personal. And, and and I have this thing about, I think I've spoken to it earlier, but in, in terms of like 
wait, if, if you want to make something and put something into the world, I don't think you should waste people's time. And I think you should uh, be entertaining or useful or insightful or make them feel something. So I just... Uh, that, that's one of mine, for example, and I and I and I really don't believe in uh, lying. I think it's always about the truth, and I think it's just finding an interesting angle to the truth. And again, on top of that, trying to make it, if if possible, give them something to talk about. Like I, that's also it's always been one of mine. Like make it easy for them to talk about it. So if there's something happening in in again, referring back to the news or like something happening in the world that people care about or is on people's mind, why didn't you play into it? And you're, you're halfway there already and you're onto a winner. So that, that's some of mine and they are like personal or there's probably more people out there with the same mindset, but it's good, it's good to figure out what you, what you want to do and why you're doing it, I think. And it becomes easier for yourself and everyone around you to see where you're going and with your guidance. Having clarity on who you are and who you are not and appreciating the differences and having a clear and distinct aesthetic and visual identity is an authentic creative expression of you, your values and taste. Especially at advertising agencies and, um, and branding agencies and so on, like, like what you're selling is basically ideas and creativity so that is the machine work of the company. But it's also easy, or a lot of people forget, um, that there's so many people around the creatives or who, who literally comes up with the idea that, that contributes and makes it happen and makes it bigger and better and so on. And I think it's just really important to remember all the people in the company and not just like focus on the creatives and especially when you're creative director. Yeah, of course you need to, it's your, it's your direct uh, peers or the, the, the people that work into you are the creatives or the writers, but uh, making amazing work takes so many more people. And like, it's, it's all the way around, right. From producers to uh, um, account people and like, yeah, yeah it's, it just takes so many people to make amazing work and um, it's important to remember them along the way. So it's not just, it doesn't feel like it's, it's only the creative's opinion that, that matter uh, when, you, when you create something. So I think, I think that's one of the things I've learned and like um, it's taken with me and I think it's important. And uh, another thing is also... I, I, this will sound silly and like uh, probably a bit like basic, but uh, it's just really important also to, to make it fun and, and have fun while doing it. And I think creativity is such an odd and fragile um, thing that fear, I think, is the, is the opposite of like, it's the worst environment you can create anything in or... Um, yeah, fear creates stress in your brain that uh, doesn't liberate your thoughts, that's for sure. So I think it's also, everything is about removing fear and trying to have as much fun as possible. And and one thing I forgot, I've forgotten many times throughout my, my career, but I I try and remember as often as possible and, and is to 
make it fun for yourself as well and make it fun for everyone else. And like, even, even I often add fun things in a document that no one else even knows about it. I might put something stupid behind a photo. You can't even see the presentation just because I know it's there <laughs> just for my own amusement. But it's like, it, it's just to say, make it fun for yourself yeah. and it, rather than seeing it as a, a task or a job you need to fix for someone else make it also for yourself and i think that that it becomes more fun to to do your job and it will be more fun for everyone else to look at and take in and so on and by the way when i say it needs to be fun i don't i'm not saying all the outcome and the the work you'll be doing always needs to have the same tone and it needs to be joke and joke and joke. Yeah. All I'm saying is the process. It could still be a tearjerker of a film of some, some sort, but uh, it's just the process part of it. It needs to be enjoyable for, for yourself and everyone else. And uh, yeah, if you're having fun, I think everyone else can feel it. So, and it's easy to say it's an outcome, but there's tricks of doing it and it's good to remind yourself. You triggered the importance of cultural curation so that people feel empowered, free and safe to express themselves and to create without fear so that they approach problem solving openly and innovatively by trying out new ideas and ways of thinking and doing. If you were given advice back to Rasmus when he was 18 years old, what would that one thing be? I think for a long time in, in my career, I I had a strong separation between what I enjoyed in my free time and what I thought was relevant for my job. And it was, I found out along the way that the more I can merge things that I act, I'm actually into, like beyond my job, uh, whether that's films or, or, or beyond yeah, art, or yeah. all these things you consume, the more I bring what I, I'm truly into, into the work, the better it becomes. And it will never become the same. And it's, um, and I think that was a really important lesson. I think in the beginning, I, I think it was because I also, I don't know if I looked down on advertising, but I didn't see it as, as, as a great thing. And that, that's, that was also along the way of like defining what I thought advertising should be. But the more I found what, out what it should be, I was less nervous about adding things I thought was amazing into it. I don't know if that was, it makes sense, but like it, it's putting that fr fragile thing of something you, you really believe in or think is beautiful into advertising without it being ruined. Yes, removing the barriers from work and life where the edges are no longer the boundaries by feeling free to authentically express yourself creatively where you channel your passion and energy in a way that's unfiltered to then expedite the best creative outputs. The internet and social media has had an omnipresent impact on people to the point where it has become the fabric of our lives and numerous industries and professions have been disrupted as a result. Take news and journalism as one example. It has seen a rapid move to media by the masses by having countless contributions from non-journalists. And one regularly reads through the social reviews and commentary rather than the story itself, which begs the question, who's in control? Who actually is the journalist? What's your vision for the future of creative direction as a profession and the role of creativity? I think it's a tricky question of like the 
the future of um, creativity and and especially uh, creative direction and advertising um, as advertising as we know is is under pressure from skip buttons and people paying not to see it but I think I think it goes back to being uh, relevant and interesting and giving people something back for their time rather than uh, polluting their their world to try and add to it whether that's tools or information or or entertainment um, I think I think that's the way forward just remembering that you are communicating to humans and uh, we often forget uh, how we would react to whatever we are making ourselves. Make the emotional and human connection first and foremost. Just how soon is the future? One thing's for sure, the future is unwritten and everything is possible. Do you want to learn more about how to create without frontiers by unleashing your creative power? Then consider getting Creativity Without Frontiers. How to make the invisible visible by lighting the way into the future. It's available in print, digital and audio on all relevant book platforms. You have been listening to the Unknown Origins podcast. Please follow, subscribe, rate and review us. For more information, go to unknownorigins.com. Thank you for listening.